again so i'm not going to and that's me keeping my word you know why because i'm a goddamn truth sayer i'm an oath keeper i'm a word keeper i'm a smithy of words i am in fact alex of the alex cast that was the best fucking dramatic reading opening ever it wasn't a reading though so i fucked it all up and i also don't know if that song is actually blue christmas because i don't really know a lot of elvis songs because i just sung one the other day and it was so fucking bad that i thought hey you know i'll do embarrass myself some more and i just woke up from a nap so I feel like my voice is slightly deeper, so I just figured I'd go for the, the, um, the, I don't know, the sexy baritone. Other than the, the, like, the not knowing how to, like, hit notes or sing part of it. All the other stuff I had down, though. So, hello, I am Alex. Welcome to the Alex cast. Um, please listen to this right now. I am a person who has written a book. It is called Periphery. It's available on Amazon. You can find the link to it. Uh, on alexcast.com just click on books and you'll find that and i did another book before that called the void sutras which is a collection of poems and short little prosy poem things yes uh that is fun uh there's also other stuff you can click on there that i'd very much like you to do uh, maybe i'll tell you about that later but just go to alexcast.com and click around it's all pretty obvious like hey there's an amazon link i wonder what i do with that well for now click on that before you buy shit on amazon i get a small cut you don't pay extra audible link you get a free audiobook. I get 15 bucks if you sign up. Uh, you can cancel any time without actually giving them any money, and I still get money, so that'd be helpful. PayPal link. There's PayPal on there. Give me money, because I don't have any of that, and I actually uh, need a computer to write on and blah, blah, blah. I didn't mean to start off with a plug fest. Sorry, I was actually just wanted to um, make it clear where you can get the book, because, well, I'm answering some listener questions tonight, as I hope to keep this as like kind of a regular... Um, segment in the solo shows oh yeah there's no guest uh tonight hold on yeah that's sexiness that's me t- pulling down a zipper ladies mm, pulling my long hard arm out of the sleeve of my shitty hanes hoodie mm. oh yeah there's the other arm Growl. oh yeah can you picture an overweight guy with heart problems in a hanes two dollar black undershirt mm. yeah that's right <sighs> I've done better brown chicka brown brown in my life. And I've done better ones. I think that Elvis really fucked with my voice. Now I feel a little off. I don't feel like I have my normal middle school lesbian voice. Now I feel like I have like a, uh, what do I sound like now? You know, I sound like, uh, now I sound like high school play performance someone that's beginning to give a speech that's going to get really heavy. So it's, yeah, you know, I did think about that, Dad. I did think about that before I went in the car. But you know what? Sometimes I have to do the things that I do because I'm a man in and of myself. I'm not you, Dad. 
I can't be like you, Dad. I can't be like Johnny either. You know why? Because Johnny's dead, and he's not coming back, all right? You have to treat me like I'm my own man, like I'm Michael, because I am Michael, and Johnny's in the ground, and I didn't have anything to do with it. A dramatic performance by Alex of the Alex cast. That sounds like the worst play ever, by the way, the one I just invented there, the story of Johnny and Michael. There's nothing worse in my life than uh, after I do something really loud and stupid in my apartment is I hear footsteps upstairs. I live in, I live in an um, old house. I live in the basement of an old house. Um, uh, that's uh, part of the room with the creepy door. It's, it used to be referenced on the show. I must get pictures of this up. Um, I was talking to Mike about it a few episodes back that it's just this big door with a lock that locks from the outside so it um you know can lock someone in it's creepy and weird but anyway it's an old house it's like uh built in like uh 1910 or something which oh yeah by the way i'll get to this uh england uh yeah i know that's not particularly old but for america for the west coast of america this is super old like for portland like i mean i think the i think lewis and clark walked into portland about two weeks before they built this house so it's not it's pretty goddamn old but um it's a very squeaky floor upstairs, so there's nothing. I mean, it's not it's not bad. I find it actually funny. Uh, me and the lady upstairs, uh, my landlady, who we get along uh, rather well, but uh, it um it's always somewhat embarrassing or uh, kind of off putting words. I'm screaming about fucking whatever the hell I was just screaming about Johnny and Michael in high school fucking plays. And none of that really made any sense at all. <laughs> Your squeaky footsteps, like oh crap, she could hear me. She could hear me screaming this at hissy. Oh, fun times. So yeah, um. Why did I even do that? Oh, because I was saying my voice sounds weird. What was I doing before that? I took my jacket off. Did I? I haven't started like a topic yet, have I? Well, fuck it. I'm going to start one now. So I asked you guys for questions. Um, I actually didn't really ask all that much this week because I wasn't planning on doing a solo show, but um, I sort of did. I, oh, no. I asked for people to call in, which let me open that up now. Uh, I have some voicemails from y'all. Uh, I think there's two. Oh, no. There's actually three starting with um, the I asked last week and I didn't get to this one because... I was saving it for the solo show. You can call in uh, the Alex cast 503-468-6959 and leave a message. I think you have like a three minute window. Uh, yeah, I think it's a three minute limit, I should say, uh, on the on the um, phone calls. So, yeah, go ahead and call in uh, and leave me, you know, uh, voicemails or uh, you can just plug your own shit or, you know, whatever you want to do. I don't care. I just pretty much play them live. Um, I do kind of listen first, or at least I look at the Google voice write-up, so if it looks like you're saying horrible things, I will probably edit them out. Not, not like, horrible things, but I mean, like, if you say something, like, really fucking, you know what I'm saying, like, it's just, like, really horrible, like, you know, uh, the Lord's Prayer, or, um, or, like, you know, talking about where you can donate to Catholic charities or something like that. I, that, that shit ain't gonna fly on the Alex cast. I'm the one that says the prayers around here, and I get the lyrics wrong just about every time. Uh, Yeah. So I have some phone calls, but let us uh, answer a question first, because I actually, this is the first time in probably Alex's history that I actually prepped something. Um, I went and did some research for an answer, which is, I know, shocking. Uh, do you, if you want me to give you a second, I can let you catch your breath, which would be kind of silly, because you can just hit pause, because this isn't live. And you, I mean, there's no reason you couldn't just, you couldn't just hit pause. So, all right, now that you caught your breath, uh, my friend and yours, Martin J. Clemens, I think. It might be Martin C. Clemens. Here's the thing. I have corrected myself so many times with his middle initial that I now no longer have the ability to tell whether I've corrected myself thoroughly that I'm saying the right one, but I still have the note in my head to change it to the other one. See, I know it's a C or a J, and I think I've done the thing where I overcorrected where 
yeah, I think I used to say Martin C. Clemens. And then I made a note to correct myself to say Martin J. But now that note's still there as I'm saying Martin J. And I've gone back to saying Martin C. But I think it's Martin J. Clemens. No one cares. He's at Fortean Writer. F-O-R-T-E-A-N-W-R-I-T-E-R. He does a wonderful, wonderful website called Paranormal People Online. And he is, and I, I gotta tell you, I'm proud as punch of this man who I, I've maybe known for a month. I don't know what he looks like. Barely know where he is, but I'm proud as punch for this fucker. He writes for Mysterious Universe, uh, the podcast out of Australia, which I've referenced on the show many times. So go follow him at 14 Writer. But he asked me a question. He says, I've got a question for your next show. How long did it take you to write Periphery? And were there any creative hiccups? Why, thank you, Martin at 14 writer. So, I don't think I've ever really talked about this. I've talked about the book a whole bunch on this show. I've read snippets from it. I don't think I've ever really, like, told you about the genesis of the book, where it came from, and, uh, frankly, the hiccups involved to completely, uh, lift the question and reword it like I had come up with something original to say. Boy howdy! If you can pardon my colloquial usage of boy howdy, I know a lot of you are boy howdyans out there and I don't mean to blaspheme. But there were plenty of hiccups. Please, let me elucidate. Thank you. Well, I started writing Periphery in the year of our Lord in 2008, six years ago. Though, um, it was May 2008, so it was essentially five years from when I started to, quote-unquote, write it to when it was published. I think I published it in June of 2013. So, um, I started it as... Now, what's the best way to tell this? Okay. I started to write uh, a screenplay because I had, I wrote a screenplay years ago and I thought it was quite, not that necessarily I thought it was quite funny, but it had gone over well with the people that had read it. Just fun stuff. So I started to write a few other screenplays um, and not even screenplays. I was just writing kind of outlines to them because I knew a dude that was writing screenplays and he wanted somebody to work with. I wanted somebody to work with. And it wasn't like we had agreed to work together, but we'd kind of toss the ball back and forth in conversation, kind of both lamenting not having a writing partner. So I'm not saying we came to an agreement, but anyway, I started kind of writing some ideas, uh, a few comedy scripts, um, just really just fun, silly stuff, uh, kind of adaptations of old ideas I had. And then I wrote this one idea. And this one idea was uh, a screenplay. And it followed the story of John the Younger on his quest, uh, a spiritual journey, uh, to where he can learn how to see out of the size of his eyes to uh, the other operational universe that is layered over our own. And the entire narrative arc of the film was him and his girlfriend trying to find, uh, a, he and his girlfriend sitting at a kitchen table trying to find a place for him to work. And then him finding this wacky office in the woods, uh, which is staffed by a uh, a girl that is no more than like 22 who uh, keeps making references to being there for like 30 years, and Hephaestus James Bonabas, a large, giant man in Shakespearean clothes and big, huge voice. Now, this all might be striking you as somewhat familiar, like, hey, Alex, this is essentially the book you wrote. Exactly. But the screenplay I wrote took the narrative arc of... I mean, it, this is kind of hard for me to... Let me word it this way. For the people that have read the book, I can tell you it's... um The book essentially... It's ish. There's no there, the boy in the yard doesn't exist in the in the screenplay. Uh, people that haven't read the book, there's a this weird kind of Buddha kid that talks with a gravelly voice that hangs out in the yard, really kind of creepy slash you know Bodhisattva. 
at the strange place in the woods that John works that he's trying to, you know, uh, develop his kind of weirdo abilities, which is, I mean, this is just kind of the A story. There's a whole, there's like the point of the book is that obviously because it's periphery that there's two different worlds going on in the book. I also wrote it. So there's like two different full narrative stories going on that you're kind of, it's kind of your force to choose which one you're, you're, you choose to believe. And then, um, maybe go back and forth. I always say, read the book again. You're, you're going to get a lot more, you know, you get a lot more out of it. Cause it's, I kind of, you get to see the cards that I showed, but anyway, the, the narrative of the screenplay ended at the, to the people that read the book, the, um, the second major thing that happened at the tree in the yard. Um, the first one being, uh, uh, John seeing the balloon, uh, for what it is. Um, and then the second one being the other thing. Uh, sorry for people that haven't read the book. I know it sounds weird, but essentially the, um, the boy in the yard, uh, he sits there with a clutch of black balloons that he just lets go into a tree that sits in the yard. And the tree kind of has this, at first, it's kind of animalistic nature that John picks up on. And um, I suppose you know, it's not much of a spoiler. There's a, um, yeah, because early enough in the book, I mean, it is kind of a spoiler, but it, I'm not giving much away that uh, th there's another aspect to the balloons when they're being fed to the tree uh, is that they, I mean, there's the hint. It's literally another aspect to the balloons that are being fed from the, fed to the tree. Well, this, there's uh, another thing that happens at the tree, kind of a, a ceremony uh, that happens a little bit later in the book. And in the book, that's probably, if you can break the book into acts, that's kind of the end of the first act. But that was the entirety of the film script. And I didn't write it as a script, really. I just kind of, like, I think I wrote, like, a, I don't know, like a 10-page outline. And it wasn't, like, a 10-page outline, like, I slaved over. I literally just, like, in maybe in two settings wrote the 10-page outline. It's because the... The original idea of a couple of the images appeared to me in a dream, and ugh, that sounded weird. I don't mean appear to me in a dream like so kind of. I meant I dreamt about some stuff that I was like, "Oh, that's fucking cool!" Like I wish I wish I could see that in real life. And then I was like, "Oh, you know what I should do is is write a movie because with with how cheap special effects software is, I could probably write a movie and get you know, uh, I mean not get, but like maybe if it's good enough, we, I could like get somebody that's good at uh, you know, uh, whatever you call After Effects is that a thing? I don't know why that popped in my head, but anyway, some kind of software uh, to make the movie, you know, like do it animated or whatever, not animate, you know, what I'm talking about like CGI. And obviously I didn't think it out that well. You know, I don't know. I just like, oh, this would be cool to see. So anyway, I wrote that in, uh, so that was 2008 and um, the, wait, let me look up one more thing. I didn't do as much research as I thought I did. So anyway, in 2008, I wrote that. And while I was writing that, I kind of realized that I was putting my kind of, feet to the fire, let's say, about my writing career. I had gone to college for writing, and then I'd gone into a bunch of really prestigious writing programs for poetry, and none of them gave me any money, uh, graduate programs. I mean, when I say prestigious, I mean, like, uh, I think I, I got in University of Iowa. I think it's Iowa. It's been so long since I did this, but, like, the really fucking good one that's, like, only amazing people get in Iowa. I got into, uh, I got into the um, Jack Hirock School of Disembodied Poetics in, in Colorado, and Got into uh, the University of Washington, or Washington University, the one in Seattle. Um, either way, what am I saying? I got into a bunch of fucking things. I got into a bunch of um, programs, and I didn't, I didn't get in because, well, frankly, um, I didn't have any money. So I moved to Oregon. Blah blah blah. Fast forward, and I realized, like, oh shit, I'm really not going anywhere with a career here. Uh, I realized that I don't like being a journalist, and. Um, so I kind of sat myself down and said, all right, well, you need to figure out what you're doing. So I was like, all right, I got to write something. I got to publish something. And self-publishing had just started to come out. Not just started to come out, but just started to become super easy. So I said, all right, I'm going to take everything I've ever written. Uh, and I mean that literally. I compiled every scrap of writing I had digitally available to me. 
and I printed it all out and uh, essentially I went through and read everything I'd ever written and kind of put them into piles and read it and read it and read it. And the point was I was putting together a collection and that became the Void Sutras. While that was going on, I didn't really do a lot of work on Periphery or what would later become Periphery. I don't remember what the original title was, but while that was going on, I didn't do a lot of writing, which sounds like I did an edit and then started again. I just, uh, I, that was fucking weird. I don't know. I took a breath and then restarted. Like, this was like, all right, Alex, let's do another take. We'll cut the end of that last one off. But uh, yeah, so I wrote a little bit, but while it was happening, I realized that what I was writing wasn't a script. It was a, it was a novel. So that kind of layered on top of this, let's try to figure out what I'm doing with my life with writing and, um, you know, just kind of not having been published before and kind of walking into this giant undertaking of writing a book, I decided I was going to put out the Void Sutras first, or the thing that would later become the Void Sutras. So while I was working on that, there was very little work done on the periphery. And the Void Sutras came out in, that's what I was looking up here. That was why I restarted that sentence. The Void Sutras came out in some time that happened. Oh, let's see. Oh, yeah. January of 2011. So I probably, yeah. So January 2011, and then in June 2013, is when Periphery came out. So I was probably working on it, uh, yeah, two and a half years. That's about right. Yeah, so about two and a half years of actual, like, hard work. And it would have been a lot quicker of a process with a few more things. One, I'm writing another book now. I'm actually writing several right now. But I, I am, in fact, writing. I know there's one I'm writing. I'm 26 pages in or something like that. It's a lot easier to write a book when you've already written a book. I know that sounds fucking stupid, but Jesus Christ, is it easier once you've done it already? The other reason it took forever, and this is this goes to Martin's original question, is the hiccups, is that I realized that in order for the story to work, in order for this, the conceit of choosing the way that you want to read the book so it mimics the style of the book, you know, uh, choosing whether, you know, the reality one or reality two or reality three is the operant one that you want, operant's not the right word, but the operating one that you want to, you know, kind of believe in, the, the story that you want to read. It's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure, except you don't jump pages, just you're kind of, you're bringing your own narrative to the story I'm telling, or your own view of the narrative to the story I'm telling. Because of that, I, just, I said I had to do it in the first person. I just felt like doing it in the past tense was cheating, because it just, that means I'm just lying to you. That just means I'm being a shitty narrator. And it's not written in the first person, so I shouldn't say I, but like as a writer or as the, as the kind of third person omnipresent, not, doesn't have a pronoun a narrator, the voice of the book, the writer is lying to you because if you do in the past tense, you can just leave stuff out or kind of be, you can be much more evasive, but when it's happening while you're following it, it's much more kind of immediate of storytelling. It's much more, I don't know, I think it's just more honest that way. And I can't get away, I couldn't have gotten away with kind of cheap writing techniques. So like I had to present it in a way that it's, that it's tricky. I mean, literally it was, that entire book is tiptoes. And that's why I say to read it twice because I drop, there's so much, I mean, literally that's why I call it an occult book. It's, it is a cult. It's the first time you read it, you're getting indoctrinated into the periphery. And I mean, the periphery as in my book, the periphery. And then the idea of the periphery in that like, so when you, when you read it again, to use the phrase, you now have eyes to see. So read it again, you're going to see a whole bunch of shit that I just, I mean, I, I said, like, I showed my cards, like in like the first or second chapter of exactly what this book was. And, but the first time you read it, you couldn't have known that because you didn't have the eyes to see, you know, much like indoctrination into like a secret society. 
going back again uh, for a third reading, there's another one there. You know, there's there's an extra level that is that was purposeful on me, uh, of me. Though it's not as solid as the first two, but it's definitely there. I did it purposefully. And then there's other ones that, because I layered it in such a way that there is a level of perception involved, so you can bring other interpretations. It's uh, Mike and I were, I, actually I think I said a lot of this when I was talking to Mike the other week, uh, Mike of the Whatcast at Last Bone Stands uh, at the Whatcast. Um, so when I was talking to him, I think I said a lot of this stuff, but like, is that other people have come up with the interpretations that are, I think, just as true as mine. So because it's layered, you know, you can bring your own perception, but the hiccup of that is that I had to write in the first person, which is terrifically difficult. It's already a very complex story. Like, this was a really bad idea for a first book. And I think a really great idea for a first book, too, on a certain level, because the next one I'm writing is kind of weird. It's not as weird as Periphery, and it's, cert it's certainly... It's more of a traditional, traditional story than Periphery is, but it's so much... I don't want to say it's so much easier, but it's, it is. It's easier because of the mountain I had to climb for Periphery to get done. I mean, the the... I did myself no favors choosing that as the first book. It really was a mistake. And I think I took a lot more time on it because of that. I, I became a better book because of it, I think. Um, I think if I wrote a more traditional story, I don't know if I'd ever would have finished it or thought it thought it complete because the more traditional story is much easier to go through and nitpick and make sure that every scant little tiny detail is perfect. Scant is not the right word again. I'm saying wrong words tonight, so what are you going to do? But uh, that every detail is perfect. And then you get stuck in this loop that a lot of people get stuck in. That's the, you know, that great American novel loop of, you know, it's either you keep thinking about the plot so much you never write it or you write it and you keep re and then you just rewrite it to the death and it never sees light. And I think if I wrote something easier, it probably it, it might not have seen light. So the Void Sutures came out in 2011. Periphery came out in 2013. And over the course of that. Yeah, the major hiccups were the first person thing and it just just the the undertaking of it, uh, the the depth of the story. And I, I don't mean this to be braggardly. And hopefully if this is not your first show you've listened, uh, you know me well enough that I'm not I'm not a quite the braggart. I, I'm not exactly the most self-confident person ever, but um, this is a really complex story. I mean, I was trying to write it in, and this is a little egotistical. I was trying to write it to be literature. I mean, I was trying to write it that. In a in a scholarly setting, you could sit down and and dissect it and and you know realize that this is there's multiple layers going on. Like I wanted it to be kind of like James Joyce like, but less fucking terrible and hard to read. I know there's Joyce scenes out there that are gonna kill me, but like I just I just I just don't like it. I I think it's it's so like I think it's just Irishy is the problem. It's just this. Like, yeah, we get it. You're just blathering on about the same fucking thing. It's like being, it's like that drunk guy at the bar that keeps telling you the same fucking thing, but in a different way every 15 minutes. I know we just fucking went over it. Christ, Seamus, shut up. So, yeah. I also like, um, back in the noir films, they used to call cops Seamuses, which I just like. I think it's fun. Yeah. So, periphery, that era, that, those were the hiccups. Oh, also, uh, the first, the other hiccup was, so instead of writing in a traditional way, because of the complexity of the story, I didn't write it, like, cleanly at first. I kind of did, like, a really, really detailed... Like, some scenes were done, but mostly it was kind of chopped together stuff that's the length of a novel. Which, it's kind of hard to describe. Like, it's almost like a a thing before a rough draft. Like a, um, like a scratch draft. Like, there's some stuff that, like, the writing was in, like, in a smooth and kind of um, poetic style of writing, which I try to... Which I like to write in. But a lot of it was just kind of choppy, and that was that was difficult to uh, that was a hiccup because I sent that to people with the explanation of 
this is, you know, this is kind of scratch paper draft. Like, I just want to make sure that the story makes sense because it's really important that the story makes sense before I pretty it up. Because, again, getting stuck in that infinite loop of trying to over fix things, it, it's better just to give the, the skeleton with broken bones and, and horrible chunks of flesh still stuck to it um, than giving a, a completed thing where, I mean, essentially, I could write really pretty words and trick people into thinking it's a better book than it is. And that I didn't want that. But that was a hiccup because uh, of the people I sent that to, a lot of people didn't get what I was doing. Uh, they didn't understand that when I wrote the little explanation of, hey, this is a really rough blah, 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 blah. I think maybe they thought I was just trying to, like, over-explain something and, like, trying to save my feelings or whatever. You know, when people do that, like, um, well, I look really fat in this picture. Like, you know, try to, like do that soften the blow. I think maybe people were expecting to have me. Like I was, I was literally just saying it was, but anyway, a lot of people uh, didn't get that. Not a lot. I didn't send it to that many people, but some people didn't get that. And that was really frustrating because I realized one, um, because of, I sent it to, you know, if I sent it to five people and two didn't quite get that and get, you know, gave me this response of, Hey, maybe you need to take a break and come back and approach this because you know, it's really rough or whatever. I'm like, but that, I fucking said that, you know, that's what, that was what the goddamn email was about. But, but now you're down to like three people or two people that could possibly read it. And usually if you send it to five, I usually write off like two people that won't ever do it. So you're down to one or two people who waiting for their response because I need to have another person's viewpoint to see if the plot makes sense. So then I got kind of stuck and I had to wait. I almost wasted a couple of months of like just kind of waiting for something to get back to me because I mean, I started to fix it a little bit and write kind of the little. There were some scenes where I just said like in this part, this thing happens here that moves him from here to here and develops this narrative. You know, this like literally just a note. Uh, but that that kind of like wasted a little bit of time, and that you know that taught me a lot too. That the 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 reliance on other people for help is is just not something that's smart. It sounds like I'm blaming these people. I'm not blaming them at all. I I I understand why they took it that way. I certainly do. I just I, you know I'm, I'm I like to be a person that says what they mean. And and I just I I had hoped that I gained the, the the respect from people that know me enough that they know that I'm smart enough and and introspective enough that I'm not going to say some bullshit I don't mean to try to spare my own feelings you know I'm going to say exactly that I'm not saying oh well it's not that good and maybe if you could just read it a little bit like I'm saying no it's a rough draft like I'm not I'm not trying to sissy foot around it because that's a phrase anyway. Uh, that was those were the, like the major obstacles and then the editing process was another kind of obstacle because. Because of the complexity of it, because of the being in present tense, and because it being written at, you know, parts of it are written in this kind of flourishy, kind of poetic verse, you know, um, it's prone to, I'll just say prone to typo. It's not the best way to put it, but like, because I wrote it in a way that like, in a poetic kind of flowing way, it's easy to miss mistakes. So I went through it a bunch of times. I had like four or five editors go through it. And then, you know, by the time it came out, like, I know there's some mistakes in there. And that was fucking bad because, like, by the time I got it to, I got a test print, I realized the layout was slightly off. So I had to do another test print. And each of those takes, like, two weeks. And at this point, you're just like, dude, I just want to get the fucking book out. And so, I, I you know, I know there's some typo stuff in there. And mostly, like, you know, it, it says he instead of she. Like, I don't think there's a lot of them. But, like, you know, those little things that are so easily missed, especially in a kind of flowing poetic form that's... And that was kind of hiccupy because I had to like really kind of sit myself down and go, I, you can't get in that loop. You can't get in the great American novel loop where you just never finish this and keep going back and laboriously go over every word. Like you have to just put the fucking thing out because I fixed, you know, most of the typos then I fixed most of the typos. Then I fixed most of the typos. And at some point you just got to go, fuck it. Like every book has typos. Like I know 
I read a copy of The Sun Also Rises, and there's fucking typos in there. You know, so it happens. But that was that was a major fucking hiccup for me to try to get my head around knowing their mistakes and just having to say, fuck, I can't do it. Like, I can't waste another two weeks and another, you know, 20 bucks on a test print. You know, I, I need I need to put this fucking thing out. So that was that was a big deal. And then uh, I don't know if it's creative hiccup, but it certainly was. Uh, I talked about this too much on the show, but, you know, the disappointment of, of uh, the, the the whisper, the, the whisper and a cough, the the slow flat tire of of what happened after its release and its complete and utter disappointment in in um number of copies sold again not about money but i put a i put a number if it came out in june i put this number down in for oh yeah it was my arbitrary i did it arbitrarily for my birthday so my birthday is the end of september the 29th i turned 33 and i put it in my head that i would sell x number of copies and I said, you know what, let's just be fair. I'm going to cut that number in half. So from X number of copies, I cut that in half to, you know, uh, to X times 0.5. So I'm at, I'm at half the number. I go, you know what? All right, that's the number I would say I'd be happy with. That's the one that's like, all right, cool. That's that's the success, success mark. So I said, you know what? I'll just, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to just say like, if it gets around there, that's fine. You know, cause I really didn't want, I didn't want to set up my expectation too high because I, I know that people don't read, you know, I, I should say I knew that people didn't read that much, but, um, so I took that number and I did, um, one fifth of that is the number that I said it would be the dead minimum. If I don't sell this, I'm just going to fucking become a banker or something because it's just it's just disgusting. This is impossibly low. Like, keep in mind, I, I have the number and then and then I took off four fifths of that. And that's the number that's like my bottom number. And that was so from June till the end of September. Um, Yeah. So the end of September uh, came around and I uh, I didn't didn't make the embarrassing number. Ah, not even close. So that's a creative hiccup because try to start writing the next fucking book when you're just like, oh, well, my experience with writing a book is I'll just write it for a while and then you'll stomp my dreams and soul. Well, I guess I'll write the next one. I mean, I know that's the way it works, but fuck, that's painful. So that's a creative hiccup, I guess. Thank you, Martin J. Clemens, for the question. Martin J. Clemens is exactly right now that I'm saying it out loud. Jesus Christ, I was I fucking took a half an hour to do that. Uh, let's play some voicemails. You know, we'll try to keep this upbeat. Uh, this one was from last week. This comes from our very good friend on the internet, Mr. Bacast. Uh, it is B-A-A. Alex, you ass. Uh, B-A-A. Here we go. Space code. B-A-A-H-K-A-S-T. Uh, oh, he's, uh, there's also a B-A-A-H-K-F-A-M. Uh, Bacast. Or, yeah, Bacast fam and Bacast. Uh, he's, um, he's the, uh, uh, I don't know how to describe him. He's just some fucking weirdo, really nice dude. I don't know. I just, I'm just a really big fan of him. So, uh, he called in and, uh, said this to us. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it's cold out, you know, places like the Midwest. I always wonder if there's like jackets for squirrels, squirrel jackets. But anyways, a couple of weeks ago was my girl's birthday. So I went and bought her some balloons and they got balloons that you can blow up that are like animals. So I got her a cow. Once they blew it up, Kind of look like, yeah, sexual in a way. So now I named it the Tranny Moo Cow. So, you know, pretty cool. Um, I was always wondering, you never talk about if you carry a stuffed animal around with you or anything. Um, don't know how that is a part. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
one, uh, Bacchus has actually read my book, so I don't know if he was doing that on purpose, referencing balloons, but I liked it. Uh, I do, I carry around a seven foot tall, uh, life size and life weight, uh, big bird everywhere I go. And I often will, uh, make love upon it, uh, when I'm lonely. And, um, that is how I learned how to count. So thank you, Bacchus. And look, I have another one. Let's play this. What's up, fucker? It's Debo, man. Just calling to say what's up. Um, I'll be going to the field for about two months next Monday. So when I get back, I'll head down to Portland and hang out with you and fucking Tater fuck over there. Fucking, uh, so I'll hit you guys up when I get back, all right? Later. Well, thank you, Mr. Debo, for calling in. Uh, Debo has shown up on the show before. You may remember from, I have no idea what episode, but he told uh, quite a funny story about him essentially being uh, naked and on drugs in a 7-Eleven. So that was fun. I, that's my memory of the story. I mean, it might be slightly different than that, but like, let's face it, that's if that's not going to get you to go back and try to find that fucking episode, I don't know what's going to. Um, so thank you. Uh, uh, whatever you say for um, uh, good luck for being in the field, uh, uh, Godspeed, uh, don't break a leg, like whatever the proper phrasing is, I wish that for you. Uh, I, you are a fine man, and I uh, hope for your safe return so you, me, and uh, the tater tot can uh, make sweet love upon each other. I already did the sweet love upon already, and that's stupid. So here's another one. Uh, this is from Nameless. Uh, I'm going to guess, if it's not him, fuck it, I'll give him credit, because this guy didn't leave his um, his name. But I'm going to guess this is AJ, who is uh, Robots Eat Vegans, I think, at Robots Eat Vegans on Twitter. Let me look that up for you. And by for you, I mean, let's see, it's Robots uh Oh, there we go. Yeah, Robots Eat Vegans. Oh, I had that right. AJ Marquez. I'm going to guess this is him. I don't know, though. But um, here, let's listen to this, guys. Hey, Alex. Or Alex Cast. Or Alex Cast fans. Make sure it smells funny. Uh, I don't know who I'm supposed to be addressing here. If I'm supposed to be addressing Alex or the show or the people listening to the show. I'd assume the people listening to the show just because they're the ones who would be interpreting this. What What do you call them? What are they? Are they Alex Castigators? Alex Castrators? Alex Castholes? Um, I don't got anything else. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all out of cast, cast, the cast. I'm not gonna go with that one. I'm all out of cats. Alex Cats? Do you guys Alex Cats? Do you, do you, do you function out of the Alex Cat Ranch? I feel like we're stepping on some, some other neurotic guy's toes. Why did I get neurotic for this? This doesn't make any sense. All right. Lock the gates! Um, thank you for the call. And if that doesn't make any sense, the lock the gates, because he's referencing the wonderful WTF with Mark Marin, which I have no idea if it's still wonderful, because I listened to it when it first came out, because I'm an old school hipster like that. But, uh, yeah, I listened to it a while ago, and I liked it. But then he started to, like, uh, start being, like, good at, at things and getting, you know, like, it, 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 he stopped, like, the beginning of it was great because it was just all him having people on and then, like, kind of apologizing for being a dick for the last 20 years. And it was fucking wonderful. But then he started to, like, oh, man, I feel bad saying this, but he started to, like, get better. And it kind of was like, eh, this isn't as good anymore. Um, but I'm sure it's a wonderful show still. But uh, he doesn't need any help from me because he's got, uh, I would guess, I would, I would probably say a thousand times more uh, listeners than I do. So what's... Uh, I don't know how to do math. If you wait, if you had ten listeners and you times that by a thousand, that's adding three zeros. So it'd be ten. That'd be wait. A thousand times ten is ten thousand. 
I don't know how to do math. A thousand times a hundred would be a thousand with two more zeros, which would be what? One hundred thousand. So that's, oh, so he's probably, actually he probably gets like, what, two hundred thousand? All right, so yeah, you don't have that many. You're like, you only have like 200 times more listeners than I do. 250, you know, whatever, dude. That's about the same. Um, so that was some voicemails. Let me um, just say a couple of things here that I made a note of because I don't think I'm, I'm like that great at like being uh, grateful. And I do try to every now and again pop back up and say it. So tonight's uh, I'm being really grateful about uh, this person's existence is Cleo. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at talk to Cleo, C-L-E-O. She has a wonderful podcast called Talk to Cleo. At least I think it's called Talk to Cleo. I just, I call it that because that's her Twitter name, but it's very possible there's like, it's some variant name. But find her on Twitter, at Talk to Cleo. Her, all of her links are there that you can find her on iTunes and Stitcher or whatever. She's a wonderful Dutch lady and she does fine, fine podcasting in both English and Dutch, which is fun. I like to listen to the Dutch ones uh, every now and again because I speak enough German that I can, I don't understand it, but I can sort of vaguely get what's happening. And I always find that fun because I feel like I'm in like, I feel like I'm in like some kind of like David Lynch backwards talky thing where it's like I can vaguely get the clues, but I don't have nearly enough information to try to try to put it together. What like what the actual content is, but I can um, over explain everything because you guys already got it already. There's no reason to do it. But anyway, find her. Talk to Cleo. She's a lovely lady. And, I, and I'm very fond of her. She's just we don't even talk that much. She's just but, like you know, seeing her on there, she's like this glowing bastion of nice ladiness and um yeah, she's funny. That's it. Yeah, that's. I just want to be complimentary and say, yeah, the world's better that she's in it. So, there you go. Yay, everybody. Talk to Cleo. Not to say you shouldn't, like, not to say that the world isn't better because robots eat vegans, isn't it? Like, he's, he's a good guy, too, but, like, you know, he's no, I mean, compared to Cleo, you know, AJ Marquez is a bag of shit, but compared to, like, regular people, he's fine. You know, he's like, he's a good guy. Like, compared to, like, any Tom, Dick, or Harry, AJ Marquez is fucking great. But, you know, it's comparing fucking Cleo to AJ. It's, I mean, it's just not, honestly, it's not fair, you know? It's like, it's like the Harlem Globetrotters and the fucking Washington Generals, you know? Sorry, AJ. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, what, uh, oh, um, Zachariah Watha asked me a question that's in reference to the Grammys. I didn't, I don't know, I didn't watch the Grammys. I've only watched the one clip with, um, uh, Macklemore and, um, uh, the lady with the red dress and Madonna and it opened with Queen Latifah. Uh, that's the only part I saw. I was on in the bar and I saw this kind of, uh, there was this kind of a gothy performance where it was like all, uh, uh there was like hot gothy chicks that are like on, on like stripper poles and, um, some black fellow was rapping. Um, I don't know who that guy was. Uh, I'm going to guess it was Kanye because I know his recent album is, um, is quite, um, uh, Nine Inch Nails sounding. Uh, and I don't mean that it's like a ripoff kind of thing in any way. I just mean, I don't know how to describe it. Like kind of industrially, uh, I think it's called like Black Jesus or something like that, but, uh, it's really good. Actually, the few songs I heard were, were quite good. I don't, I don't know anything about the band's music or what he looks like. So I might be talking, I'm sure I'm talking about the wrong person. It'd be ridiculous if I guessed it right. But I saw that at the bar and I looked up and the reason I looked up is because, uh, old people were complaining that like, ah, what is this crap? And, and I was like, it just occurred to me that like, although I'm well not in the culture, uh, I'm like, that looks exactly like when I was young, like. Like, I was listening to, like, modern music in the 90s, and that looked like most of the 90s to me, like, goth people and fucking chicks dancing at poles, just Rob Zombie and fucking Marilyn Manson, but with, like, some rapper dude. Um, I just realized I really went out on a limb here to show just, just how racist I am, is that the sound wasn't on, 
and the black guy that was had a microphone could could easily have been singing like in a traditional singing sense and i'm just such a racist jackass that because it's it looked like kind of a rock vibe uh, i mean it didn't look like a rock vibe like you know it wasn't a full band i just immediately assumed it to be rap uh i really hope it's rap cuz um i don't want to be that horrifically racist i guess it's not racist it, it's um uh racially no it's not even sensitive i'm not being like mean about it it's just it's st- stereotyping i was i was involved in stereotyping and I didn't particularly like that, so I pointed it out. Um, but I really hope that was Jay Z. What Jay Z? No, that's the I know two rappers. It's Jay Z and Kanye, the two ones I know the name of. Oh, and that Macklemore guy I found out was a rapper. I had no idea. Like I'd never heard of him before. But anyway, so I watched the the Macklemore thing, and it was good. Uh, Queen Latifah looking like a million bucks, which was kind of nice. I don't know if she actually sang there or if she still sings, but she was looking fucking nice. Like, uh, she must be kind of a not older, but you know, she she's gotta be like what forty something by now, right? And, um, uh, she's thin and looks beautiful. Like it was, it was kind of weird. I haven't seen her cause I don't, I'm not like part of the culture. I don't really know much about TV. Um, I was actually ta- talking to Zachariah Watha about how, um, people say South Park quotes at me and I respond like they're just saying something silly. Like, cause I just don't know. I don't watch the show. I haven't watched the show in, you know, well over a decade. So like, I don't, you know, I don't understand a lot of stuff. So, um, uh, but yeah, uh, she did look good. Macklemore did some stuff, uh, which people said was really heart touching uh i didn't get that vibe i mean i get why people reacted to it but i mean i think maybe i just needed to know um who he was to get the point across but just watching it in in third person you know just watching it was just it was silly to me um what was the oh yeah and the, the lady with the red dress i don't know who she is but or she has a really nice voice and i kind of wanted to just have her hug me and sing me to sleep uh i don't know what she does i think somebody i think reference that she's the she does the the songy parts for the uh for the Macklemore uh rap bonanzas. Uh I don't know. But yeah. Why did I t- start talking about the Grammys? Oh yeah, cuz the other question was referencing the Grammys, but I don't I, yeah, I didn't watch. Those are the only two parts I watched, so uh I don't know what that means. Um so uh this is kind of I'm in like a weird spot here cuz I'm I'm never I'm never like overly prepared for a show, so I don't know how to choose on the fly what to talk about because I don't have enough time to do all of it. That's weird. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's talk about this. Um, uh, England. I'll just that's that's the way I'm going to start talking about this because I have no idea how to approach this. England, land of ing. Look at it. Once Rome was there. Look at them in Rome. I know very little about British history or English history. I don't really know the difference between those two phrases, uh, what's English and what is British. Um, I mean, I guess I do. Well, no, I don't. I don't know the difference between Britain and, and England. Um, is there a difference between Britain and Great Britain? I'm going to guess that Britain probably includes Wales and um, what's north of England is... That's where Scotland is, right? Yeah. So maybe is that Britain, like all the stuff that can... Anyway, whatever, I'm just making a fool of myself. The point is, uh, I was looking, and this is just a weird confluence of events that made me kind of remember things and realize things. So, um, I was looking at my stats on the old uh, stat-keeping machine about where people download the show from and whatever, and I realized... Uh, oh, this is why, because I was thinking about doing a live show in Portland, and I was looking at what my Portland numbers are, and I realized that there's just no way I can do a live show. Uh, there's just not enough. It's just, you know, I just wouldn't have the, the mass to do it. There's no way. Like, even if, I mean, I suppose it's like if every single Portland listener showed up, 
um, I could, but they, they say you're supposed to estimate like one for every hundred or something like that. And it just wouldn't work. So, but anyway, I was trying to figure out like where my audience is and I saw, uh, I saw where Portland was and I was like, oh, cool. You know, it's a good amount of people. It's kind of weird because, uh, I don't know a lot of my listeners in town, so there's a lot of them out there. I'm not saying come follow me around or anything, but like, it'd be nice to know you, especially if you're like a lady. I can't imagine as many ladies that listen to this in Portland, but if you're a lady, especially if you're single, why don't you come say hi? You know, I'm lonely. I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty smart. I'm good at talking. You know, it's, I know, I, you know, people like a funny guy. I've been, I've been told I'm funny. I used, I was, I was the number one comedy, uh, on, on my old site, which I can't remember the name of, Potomatic. Um, and, uh, I've been on Stitcher's thing. So look, ladies, you know, you like funny guys. Uh, look at me. I'll learn how to juggle. Cause is that funny? I don't know. Anyway, Portland. So I was looking at that and I was like, oh, I wonder what my other, uh, stats look like. And I was looking around the planet of where people listen. So, you know, the, the expected places, you know, uh, quite a bit in Canada, um, a few Mexico, um, Australia. I've always been popular in Australia. I don't know why. Even on my old site, I always had like this enclave of Australian listeners. Um, quite a few in Germany. Not quite a few, but like, I don't know. I think like, uh, I forget what it was. Like the last, I think, I forget if I was looking for, it was either per month or per episode, but there was like, uh, like 20 German downloads. Um, which, I mean, is that not like that's a lot? Uh, no, yeah, that was per episode. No, it wasn't. What the hell am I talking? Alex, shut up. The point is, there's a few in you know, Germany, like whatever the expected places, um, uh, up in, uh, the, like, I don't know where all the, like the countries weren't labeled on the map that well. And I'll show my ignorance, but up in the, like the kind of, um, uh, like Amsterdam area. I know that's not a country, but like there ish, there was a few scattered around and in, um, what I'll call Scandinavia, like where black metal hangs out. Uh, there was some there and a few, uh, Japan and you know, whatever. So, but the one that, the one I look at, shocking, I look at England, and England, I'm fucking, I'm like, damn, England, you love me. So, England, uh, on the whole, I know I shouldn't compare a country to a city, but keep in mind, I'm out of Portland, Oregon. Like, England, on the whole, and I'm counting, when I count England, I might be counting um, Scotland as well, and Wales, because I think Wales is another country, isn't it? But either way, the Englandy area as shown on a map, and Look, I'm not claiming to know fucking fuck all about you guys. Like, I literally, like, if Rome's not there, I don't know anything about your history. Like, I know, uh, you know, I, I know, um, Uther, I think it was a guy. Like, I, I, I've heard the names of your early kings, but, uh, I don't really know. Uh, I like that story where Caligula shows up on shore and he declares war on Neptune and he takes some seashells from the coast and he says that he's declared victory and just leaves. It's fucking awesome. But, uh, England loves me. All of England has uh, the same amount of downloads as uh, Portland, or at least, you know, the, the greater uh, Oregon area, which is kind of weird to me. It's not weird. I mean, it's I'm very, very, I'm, I'm, I'm right chuffed. I'm not using chuffed, right? I'm sure. I decided that I'm going to introduce that to American lexicon, but I don't really know how to use it quite yet. But um, yeah, chuffed. That, yeah, so I was like, oh, wow, that's fucking cool. Because I always, like, I've always had this kind of... Um, I'm not an Anglophile by any any stretch. I mean, as I just demonstrated, I know nothing about your history, but I have this certain kind of weird love for for London. I don't I don't know. I've never been there. I don't really know a whole hell of a lot about it. There's something about London that just kind of maybe it's like what you guys think of New York. Um, when I say you guys, I'm talking to I'm talking to um, the Britishy people. I don't I don't know what to call you, the Brits. Um, 
but I've always had this thing with London. So anyway, I look and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. So then I look where all the downloads are from. So uh, of all of, you know, the Great Brittany kind of, uh, when I say Great Brittany, I don't mean, I know there's a thing called Brittany over there. I mean, um, Great Britain-esque. Uh, I'm saying E like hyphen Y, not actually Brittany. But of that whole area, I realized like, like a tremendous amount of those downloads are from uh, London, like proper, you know, like on the map it says london and there's like a whole bunch of little notes of where they're from it's like oh that's fucking cool and it kind of makes me question like what like why does it's just weird that that happened you know and i and i super i'm super into it uh, uh someone oh, i don't remember uh magus lucas i think his name is uh or her name uh him lucas i don't it, i'm sorry uh, uh if you listen to this i i don't have my twitter open anymore so i can't look it up but uh somebody was talking to you from from london on twitter uh made a reference that i have a kind of a my humor has a British sensibility or I forget the exact phrasing, but I guess it makes sense to British people, which I'm down with. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that because I've always kind of liked the London idea. And it reminded me that when I was a little kid, and this goes back to me not being, uh, having been to London when I was a little kid growing up in the East coast, I had this phase that I became like really obsessed with like living in London. I don't know what it was. There was just something about that city that just kept calling to me. And, um, so much to the point that uh, when when I was in uh, middle school grades, uh, I don't know what it would be with the with the actually I know nothing about the British schooling system, but it, you know um, uh, from age ten through thirteen uh, ish, I uh, they asked me a question for the for the yearbook, and I said they said like what are you going to be doing in um, you know I don't know twenty years or something like that, and I said uh, I'd be uh, in England being a writer. I haven't thought of that in forever. And it just, it kind of popped my head. I'm like, oh, that's so fucking weird. And then it just kind of like reoccurred to me of like my kind of this odd thing I have with England. Like I've always had this kind of back and forth with England. Like I get along with people there for some reason. Um, not people there, because uh, that's a stupid thing to say. Of the people that are on Twitter and and interact with the community that I would interact with. So it's a very, very select, incredibly select subset of, of Londoners. But of, of that select subset, I tend to get along with uh, quite well. You know, uh, in so much like like the the Portland people that I interact with on Twitter that I don't you know they don't know in real life you know just the uh, the random ones that I pick up like I actually get along much better with the London folk than my local folk you know uh, but yeah it just kind of made me remember that I was like fuck I really got to get out to England and I, as I said that I'm like shit I have like actually a few people I would like want to like visit well not visit because I I wouldn't know where the fuck anything is but like like I would want to say. Hey guys, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be at whatever the fuck tourist place, uh, like American folks like me go to. Be like, I'm gonna be there. Let's meet somewhere at the Pence and Rusty Knuckle or whatever the fuck you call pubs over there. And um, I don't know why that sounds so angry. I think I was just mad because I couldn't come up with like a proper British sounding pub, and I got mad at myself. And it kind of sounded like I was mad at you, at you and your pub names. But I, I, it's not that. I just couldn't think of the name of like a very like Englishy pub sound. Like the, uh, yeah, see, I can't, yeah, I got to go to England. All right. It's been decided. All I need to do is come up with like, like 50 grand so I can get out of debt and then, um, get a passport and, um, you know, so I can take some time off of work and I'll go visit you guys. So get the PayPal's coming in, you know, there's a link on the website. Uh, I recently got a, I got a, a Bitcoin wallet. So if you want to give me some of those, that might help. Um, <clears throat> you'd have to email me to find those. Cause I don't know how to give it, I don't know how to give it out, but 
Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, alexcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch. Um, if you want to give me questions for next solo show, alexcast at gmail.com. You can also make a phone call, uh, 503-468-6959. Uh, leave a message in upwards of three minutes. Or you can email if you want. Email me just uh, like a WAV file or, or an MP3 or whatever if you want to like say something on the show and you don't feel like, uh, because we're talking about London, you don't feel like spending the uh, uh, fucking 14 quid that it would take to call the United States. See what I did there? I said quid. Because um, I think that's the thing that you guys call money. I don't really know what that is, though. Like, that's just like a regular, like a pound. Like, you just, that's just like a phrase for, like, we, like, in America, we'd say, like, a buck is like a, like the, a term for a dollar. So, uh, like, a quid would be a, would be a, a pound. What do you, what do you call a euro, then? Like, is there a, is there like a fun, like, is there like a, a yid? Well, no, that's, oh, let's pretend I didn't say that one. I didn't mean that that way at all. I swear. I was just trying to find a way to be like year and and quid combined. A, a quero? No. Again, I can see why getting a nickname for this is actually quite difficult. I gotta stop trying to say things because the next thing I do, I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, I, yeah, I, before I start saying muzzy, I'm gonna fucking stop. Jesus Christ, Alex, that was weird. Um, I swear none of that was intentional. But like for some reason, if you could, if you try to get a nickname of, of from of a euro from the root quid. There's a lot of ways you can say, like, kind of offensive things. That was kind of amazing. So, um, I don't know if, if I even talked about England at all. Um, it's just, it just struck me as weird that this kind of this throughput of my life. And now that I'm, uh, you know, essentially, uh, aging, um, uh, as we were, they were all aging, but, uh, I really got to get off my ass and find somebody to get out of horrible debt and go to England. I have no desire to travel, really. I kind of just want to go to London. Like, I don't want to go anywhere else. Um, is Stonehenge, is that in England? Yeah, that's in she Sheffield? No. What the, where's Stonehenge? Glastonbury? No, that's where that festival is. Where the fuck's Stonehenge? Anyway, if Stonehenge is in England, I'd like to see that, but I'm sure it's like way the fuck out of the way and really hard to get to. And I don't really care that much. Um, I just want to hang out in London. Like, I don't even want to see tourist stuff. I just kind of want to like, like just get a hotel room and just kind of hang out in London for a while. Like, that sounds like fun. And when I say fun, I mean, like, fun in the way that I like fun. Like, just kind of, like, I'll bring a book to a pub and, like, you know, have a few fucking, uh, uh, whatever beers you have. What do you, like, a bitter? Is that? I think I've heard that on BBC shows. Like, uh, give us a pint of bitter. Um, I also like how you say us for, for when you say me. Like, I'd say, like, hey, can, uh, well, I'd actually say, can I have, uh, a, a, a bitter, please? A bitter beer. Um, but you say, uh, uh, there's the get us a pint. Get us a pint of bitters. I like that. Maybe I'll start using that because, I, as I said, I'm usurping chuffed. I have to learn how to use it better. I'm usurping chuffed for America. Maybe I'll start doing the us thing. Get us, uh, get us a shot of whiskey. Get us a shot of whiskey. Nah, it sounds shitty with an American accent. I'm not gonna do the the fake English accent. I, I, and that wasn't me trying to like set up me doing it. I can't. I don't know how to do an English accent. Um, yeah, but I'm gonna steal some more words. But chuffed is the first one, and I'm sure I'm not gonna actually use it. But that's my first step. Also, I found out from also that uh, uh, that person I was referencing. I'm gonna put that person's name in the show notes. I'm gonna look it up. The Magus Lucas per person, uh, which I'm sure most of those letters are correct, but I can't remember what it actually is. But I'll put their at name in case you want to follow them. But um, oh yeah, so I the reason I, I picked up on Chuffed was uh, uh, Carl Pil Pilkington from the Idiot Abroad program, and you know uh, from the Ricky Gervais podcast and radio shows. Uh, they used to have a radio show on you know, BBC Radio. Um, which are really hilarious. If you've not uh, heard them, you can still download them, you know, places, but they're really fucking funny. Uh, but, uh, that Carl is uh, a northerner, which I know to be, um, 
not that, not that I could describe it because I don't want to, I don't want to sound one rude or two, get it wrong. But I know for, I watch a lot of QI and sometimes you can pick up on some of the, um, stereotypical usage of things. And like that way, I found that Carl was a northerner. I'm like, Oh, I get it. Like, cause I've heard the references. It's, um, like, like, uh, uh, monkey magic Eden, uh, also, uh, an English, uh, Englishman at one point showed me a picture of someone who looked gormless, which is a word that we don't have in America. Or if we do, it's no one ever says it. But he showed me a picture of it. I'm like, oh, Gormley. I completely get it now. Because he described what it meant. And then he showed me this picture. And I think Carl actually would uh, work too. He showed this Gormless looking guy. I'm like, oh, I get it. That's what Gormless is. So once somebody, uh, once I kind of described what a northerner was, it was, oh, that's okay. Now this is, this is all coming together. So, um, yeah, he described, and I was like, oh, this is fun. Now I can put that together. And I, there's just these certain things that, you know, um, the English do that it's really hard watching from the outside to try to figure out because it's not like you can, it's not like you can look things up like that. It's not like you can type it into Google. Like I was trying to figure out who the people that say, uh, yeah, it was well hard. Oh God. Well hard. Let's just say it that way. There's like this, this tough accent that people slip into, especially on QI and a lot of other British shows too. Like when they're kind of mocking a certain English accent. But, like, I've tried Googling for, I have no idea what they're trying to do. I think I asked Ethan. He wasn't sure either. Like, I think maybe it's just the stereotypical tough accent, but I, I don't, it's, it's really difficult. So, is this, is this interesting at all? This can't be interesting for English. I wonder if this, this might be interesting for American listeners. I don't know. But yeah, I can't do that. And I also, uh, I'll, I'll be done with England in a second. Not that I can, uh, certainly can't do the accent because I can't do a regular English accent or, well, you know, the kind of homogenized British accent that Americans will use. But I heard someone doing a British farmer accent, which is, which was fucking shocking to me because I suppose it's never, I mean, it's not that it, it's not like it's never occurred to me. It's, I, did, I, would, I would never bother to think about it. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't even occur to me that they're still farming in England. Like it just, in my head, England, it's just like, there's like London and then like the other cities. And then there's like just, uh, like some fields and shit between the two, you know, but, uh, so I did an impression of a, of a far, like what a farmer sounds like. And it was fucking wild because it's, you know, in, in America, it's the, the, yeah, come on, y'all, let's go down to the farm. We'll fuck a sheep. Like that Southern, like, yuck, you know, that accent, the hee haw. I, I don't know if, is hee haw a good enough reference that, that England would understand? It was this terrible 70s show, uh, that was based around, um, kind of hillbilly, yokel, um, gormless type. Uh, uh, making uh farm jokes, but they have this you know very horrible accent. Oh, you know what? You would because of um the, the Simpsons, because you have the American language Simpsons. Uh, Cletus, the slackjawed yokel, is very much the farmer voice. Um, but it's uh, yeah. When I heard somebody do the uh the the English farmer voice, I'm like oh that's fucking amazing. Like because I guess it just didn't occur to me that like of course you're not going to have the American Southern farmer voice. That'd be fucking stupid. So yeah. Anyway. So tonight I've, uh, I've admitted pretty much that I think, uh, uh, black people can only rap because I'm a horrible racist. I've, uh, insulted, uh, most of Britain, uh, probably a good chunk of America, definitely a good chunk of America. Uh, I made fun of Christ. I, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's all the horrible things I did. If you can think of other horrible things, please let me know. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, please keep in touch with me. I'm at the Alex cast on Twitter. Uh, you can email me alexcast at gmail.com. So, you know, email me fucking mp3s and shit if you want to, you know, kind of by proxy, uh, do a little insight in the show. Like, especially for these solo shows, it's really, it's super helpful if I get questions or little clips to play around with and things like that. And yeah, so thank you to the people that, uh, submitted some stuff. Uh, if I can remember, it's at 40 and writer. Um, Debo, who I think he's got his tweets protected, so don't want to give it out, but, um, if they're not, I'll, I'll, I'll just give it out later. 
Um, uh, talk to Cleo at Bacasts at Robots Eat Vegans at Zachariah Watha at Monkey Magic Eden. Even though it really it's I, he just got brought up because he was because um, he's from England. So fuck it at uh, Thomas Kale at Screwfish. Um, who else? Of you guys are in London uh, at that mages person who I'll put uh, I'll put their name in the show notes. Um, who else do I talk to from London? You guys got to tell me where you're from because I know there's other ones, but that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Um, no, he's from Germany. Uh, yeah, Pat from Germany. Pat I P H I. Um, okay, yeah. Well, talk about not being interesting anymore. Now I'm just thinking of people I know on Twitter. <laughs> so from all of us here at the Alex Cast, that being me. To all of you there at home, uh, thank you very much for listening. It has been lovely. Uh, please visit alexcast.com and click everything that you can possibly click. Remember that I'm horrifically poor and will come visit you if I get enough money, especially if you're in England. So I've been Alex, you've been the audience, and this has been the AlexCast. <laughs>